forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends, and they love Sex and the City. And they couldn't help but wonder, do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Frenchies, so every single dude, all the dudes, and we couldn't help but wonder. With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't Help Help But but Wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex and the city and how it relates to to us. Okay. Got a little sensual there. Hello. 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 It's a very special episode today. Yes, we are bringing you our uh, our oh so classic bridge episode between seasons. We just wrapped up season four last week. Next week, we're going to be heading into season five Woo! of Sex in the City. This and is Sex in the City podcast. And what a season it was. And, you know, in classic CHBW tradition, we do have a very special guest with us today. Um, he worked on Sex in the City. Woo! That is right. You were, what was your official title, Chris? Uh, I was the assistant production coordinator on season three. Oh, heaven. Assistant production coordinator on season three. You heard it. He is an amazing producer. He has a new web series that he's working on with his, uh, can I say partner? Is that fair? With his wonderful partner, Debbie Pizer. It's called Interconnected, and it's a very quarantine chic experience um, with a bunch of different stories, people um, experiencing the quarantine in their own certain way. And um, yeah. And how there are people, what did you say? People around the world, how they connect to each other. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're, we have people shooting in uh, 10 different countries, 15 different countries. I've lost count, but it's been fun. Wow. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. That's incredible. Okay, so guys, give it up for Chris Collins, our guest of the day. Woo-hoo! Oh, we're so Thank happy you, to have you. Hi there, yes. Chris. Fun to be here. Hi. Welcome to the program. Um, we kick off each episode by sharing um, who we are of the four girls on Sex and the City this week. So um, we will go first, and we want you to participate as well. Okay, Let fair. us know who you were and why. Um, Rose, you want to want to kick us off? Who were you this week? Before I kick us off, I want to tell Chris, oh, you can please. actually also, we've had times where we expand. Like a week when I was feeling shitty, I said that I was the cake that Miranda ate out of the trash. So you can also go beyond the four <laughs> women if there's like a male character or some, a cat. Understood. Or, Anything you want. If you feel too constrained by the core yeah, four. Yeah, by the core four. Fly right. free, Chris. Make I try to palette. stick to the four. I always try to stick right. to the four. This, but... this week, I'm definitely one of the four. So it's oh, okay. Yay. Love that. <laughs> Love that attitude. Okay. Well, Rose, who are you this week? Um, Who am I? I mean, maybe I'm Miranda after she has a baby because she's like, <laughs> she's like feels really <laughs> gross about herself and like, I haven't cut oh. or dyed my hair in four months. I mean, I have, you can't see me because I'm literally laying down. But yeah, I, my hair is now an ombre that goes gray, black, ashy brass. It's just like not ashy a good. Brass. It's just like this old dyed out orange color. And, you know, I haven't gotten my threading. So, I mean, quarantine is really showing me what I look like without any of my 
tools. Uh, sure, my earthly sure. tools. No, you're just like, you're just raw, raw yeah, and uncensored. Little, it's not exactly like, you know, it's really facing the facts, I would just yeah. have to say. Sure, <laughs> sure. What is um, the thing, what is like the, the maintenance thing that you miss most? Like if you had to pick one, you could get rid of all the other ones, but you had to pick one to stick with, what would it okay, be? Okay, well, I think the thing that makes or breaks a look yeah. for anybody, not just me, is hair. I really mm-hmm. think you could have the best outfit, the clearest skin. If your hair is weird, you look bad. And alternatively, <laughs> if your hair looks amazing, if your hair is like shiny and it healthy, can really kick things up a you notch. can literally wear a disgusting old just junk from the trash and you'll look like a model. So I think if I could do anything right now, I would get my hair cut and dyed because it just doesn't feel good. So that would be my dream. Okay. Um, who were you this week, Jamie? <sighs> This week, I I was a bit of a Miranda because um, I've been watching. I just started watching The Sopranos yesterday. Chris, I want to talk to you about it. Um, but I just started so watching it for the first time, and everyone sounds like Steve. So that makes me a Miranda. <laughs> um, everybody sounds Steve like Steve. Everywhere. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a very dark. I I I think The Sopranos. I mean, I've only watched the pilot. So, you know, to say that I've like gotten into the series is, would be a lie. I just started. But it is kind of it shows how old I am because everything that happens, like I have a pretty high threshold for like darkness and like morbidity and pain on TV. But every every second on this show, I'm like, oh, my God, like. That is so wrong. Like I said audibly, that is so wrong. Like they're just like the worst people. And I don't know what I expected. I know it's about like mobsters in Jersey. I didn't think they were like sweet little Care Bears. But I every second I'm just like, wow, like mafia is really bad. These people are bad. And it gets darker. I know. It gets darker. Oh, my God. Just the first episode, I was like, this is still the pilot. Like, it felt long. And not like. It feels like a movie. It's fucking long. Yeah. I mean, oh, my God. Full hour episodes. That's really like you feel the length. Yeah, but not in a way that I was bored. Just in like, wow, they really milked this hour. Like, I have to say, I've only seen one or two episodes and I liked it. I don't know why I didn't keep going. I, should, I have a I lot will. of shows like that. I totally relate to that. But I'm obsessed with psychology and like childhood relationships. I'm like completely obsessed with it. And I was like, wow, this entire show. Yeah, the mobster, the killing, the this. It's about a guy and his mom and a guy just trying to get his mom to love him. Yeah, and I was it. like, that's wow. what I thought was so fascinating. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, profound, you that's guys. That's the part yeah. that I thought was like. That's profound. I was like, God, this woman is such a bitch no matter what he does. Yes, yeah. she's a sociopath, and yeah. he just can't. Wow. It's a dark. I didn't hole. know this. You know, I didn't know this. I knew that she was a shithead just from the pilot, but that's interesting that you would describe her as a sociopath. Okay, I'm really excited for the show. Yeah. Actually, he I love sociopaths. He keeps throwing all his love into this whole kind of right. You know. Been there. <sighs> okay, well, Chris. I mean, question. So question of the day. So I am also a Miranda. Woo! Um, Woo! Welcome to the club. And not to bring it back to what I'm doing, but we're at a place now where we're uh, trying, we're about to sort of go to networks and try to sell this thing. So we're lawyering up and papering up. Wow. And talking to all these people about what our recollection about how things went down gets a little, um, excuse me. 
And my yeah. persona this week has been, um, excuse me. So Wait, Chris, why the um, excuse me? I'm missing something. There, no, we're, like we're, that's like a Miranda attitude. Yeah. Oh. And so in my life personally, it's like, oh, so, you know, you did this episode for us and we did this and that. And like, for the most part, 98% of it has been easy, smooth, wonderful and right. easy. But there are a few people who are like, oh, no, 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 I did this. And we're like, no, 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 no. Oh, Excuse come me. on. Just roll yeah. with it. Be a right. team player. Right. So there's, that's my, definitely my Miranda. You're so having a bit of a sass, sassy yes. vibe. Okay. Yes. Well, she's also, I think that she is the most She's our like, favorite. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes. But also, I mean, Samantha is also very like work focused and a career woman. But I do feel like Miranda is a little bit more of a hard ass in her job. Well, they're, they both are. But there's something about Miranda that whenever I'm thinking about work or work is at the forefront of my mind, I'm always like, I'm a Miranda. Like, that, I don't always yeah, go to Samantha immediately. Yeah, it's the lawyer energy. You're right. Yeah, that I've read the the back of the box and I yes. know the instructions I and know, this is yeah. how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I've read the uh, the manual. I know how to yeah. connect the furniture. I don't know yes. what I'm saying. I'm just, my mind went to Ikea. Anyways, um, well, we're so excited to have you. I know I've said that, but we really are. And it's so cool that you actually worked on Iconic. Sex and the City. I mean, yeah, it it's, it's like, yeah, it really is like a moment in history to us and to a lot of people and to our listeners and yeah, um, we have just many questions for you. Um, first of all, were you a fan of the show? Oh, that's a great question. Before you, because you worked season three. So like how familiar were you with the show before you started working on um, it? Great I was totally, very familiar with the show because our, we shot at Silver Cup Studios in Queens, uh-huh. um, which my grandmother used to always tell me was an old bread factory. It was Silver Cup Bread. It was, <laughs> was right it? across that. Yes. Is it Long it Island? I've seen it. Long Island City? Yep, exactly. Right. Yeah. It has and a it was big right sign, across the right? 59th Street Bridge. Exactly. Yes, right, you right, right. You see it as you're going right. across the bridge. And Sex in the City was on floor two. Sopranos was on floor three. And our oh stages were God. right next to each other downstairs. Oh my God. Moment in history. And they started at the same time, give or take a couple of months. So I was actually asked to work on Sex in the City first because I knew Jane Rabb, who was one of the producers. I did. Um, I was a PA on uh, a movie called Deep Impact. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. That was one of the oh, two, I liked that movie. Two end of the world movies. Yeah, yeah. Armageddon that's right. was the bigger one. Oh my one, god! Yeah, Deep Impact was one, and Jane produced. And they that. came out like the same summer, yes, and everyone was exactly. like, "Why are there two of the same movies in the theater right now?" Yeah, yeah. totally. Jane oh my god! That. My so job funny. was to pick Jane up every day and drive her to work. Um, and so when she got Sex in the City, she asked me to do that. But Steve Van Zant from the E Street Band was in The Sopranos, and right. I got offered that job at the same time. So I definitely took the E Street Band Sopranos guy job because you were like a fan. Yes, of, yeah. But our offices were right next door to each other, and there was a lot of overlap. There was a lot of can we borrow this light, or are you guys out of film? It's a Friday night, and Kodak is closed. That's when everything was shot on film. Yeah. There was a lot of that overlap. And that show hit the air before ours did. So all of us in our office watched it because it was just, it was the show down the hall, you know? Did you like it? Yeah, I really did. And it's a great show. At the time, it was like an atom bomb going off, it felt like, because it was like, there was nothing on TV like that at all. It was so frank and like forward and like, and we were kind of like, and it felt like the brother sister show. Oh, cool. 
show was mostly run by women where our show was mostly run by men kind of. But oh, was that's like, interesting. You know, like, but yeah. it felt like, oh, shit. Yeah, go. Thanks. Thanks so for paving like, the way. Were the writers there at Silver Cup? Like, yeah. was ev- everything was at a Silver Cup. Yeah, the writers on The Sopranos and the writers in Sex in the City were about 12 feet from each other. The, oh, my God. The, the writer's office. Chris, do you remember? I mean, I'm sure you have a thousand memories. But is there anything that sticks out as, like, one of the most either fun days you had on Sex in the City or memorable where you're just like, oh, my God, my job? Um... The only thing I remember that I can't believe I actually witnessed was, especially now, especially now, post oh Me God. Too. Whoa. Okay. Um, Here we well, go. I'm saying this. No, 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 Looking no. back. We need it. We need it. Tell in us. In Post Me Too, like the I'm idea thirsty. of a sex scene being shot with anyone else around is so crazy. Like now everybody leaves. All monitors Close are turned set. off close set there's an intimacy coordinator there are people yep, right. monitoring to make sure that no one sees and Sex what, in the City what did you a, see a little bit looser but <laughs> Tell us what you beyond saw. that when whenever um there was a samantha sex of scene, course nobody gave a shit and oh can i i'm sorry yes 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 you can this. cuss away oh my nobody god please. cared and people would wander through that like it oh was like god. Did she like not it was care? Was she totally chill? She could care less. Well, she had a great bod. I mean, she had it. a framed picture of her breasts in her dressing room. Oh, oh my god! Fuck. Um, wait, yes. Chris. This wait, that's is, huge to know. This is that is, a uh, that is oh my god. I'm, okay, wait. This is amazing because it's like we always talk about what a great actress she is because she's so hysterical on the show. Now we're like, is she? But is this just a documentary? But, but it sounds like she had <laughs> she some of those traits. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean. I was in the production office, which is like where, like, especially back then, like now cell phones and everybody like, but back then, I'm not kidding. They were really dependent on like other people to like do things like make a phone call or like get a car service for them. Like they would have to call from their dressing room up to the office and say like, can I go here? Like it was just a different time, you know? Yeah. And I was the only straight male in the production office. Oh my God. They probably all hit on you. Well, she especially (laughs) now there's no way that Kim Cattrall out of work could pick me out of a lineup. And I'm not saying that like she was a good or a bad person. Right. You're just just a hundred people working there. And I wasn't in her face all day. Right. But she knew my voice and oh every God. time she heard my voice, she would, oh, it's so good to hear a man's <laughs> voice. <It's> like, like, <laughs> and it worked. It really ah, worked. Oh, that's my amazing. God. Wait, so basically Kim Cattrall is Samantha. This is the best news I've heard in like yeah, months or, since or quarantine. she just had so much fun playing with Samantha <laughs> oh that my she just God. did that all the time. I do think that at oh a certain point when you're, especially on such a character-driven show, I mean, I guess technically every show is character-driven, well, but I feel good. like that one, it's like your identity is Samantha. Like everyone knows you as Samantha. I bet at a certain point, it's almost like, I mean, I can't believe I'm using professional wrestling as a reference um, because my husband's a huge fan of professional wrestling. But like there is this thing in wrestling where like you become your character when you're not yeah. performing, like you kind of just morph into them. So well, I wonder if that's sort of. But also yeah, 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 I feel exactly. like people get cast and then they take that character on. Like I think yeah. that Samantha also, just like Miranda. And I mean, I don't know enough about Kristen Davis or Sarah Jessica Parker, but in real life, Miranda seems like 
Cynthia Nixon is kind of a Miranda. She's kind of like uh, uh, intellectual lesbian, smarty yeah. pants, and no I feel nonsense. like. Also, Chris, I love your New York accent. Oh, thanks. It's so good. It's a mix of New New York and New Jersey. It's great. Where are you from originally? Uh, born in Manhattan, lived in Queens, and then we moved to Jersey. Oh, was... okay. Wow. Do okay. you hear it, James? You're east. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't. I don't think it's like as. I don't think it's as distinctive as like my family's from New Jersey, and like you know they're from New Jersey. <laughs> like it's in the voice. I don't hear that as much with you. You know from a mile away. Yeah, you can tell <laughs> they're coming. Um, okay, so can you tell us a little bit about like just to be clear? So being a production coordinator, assistant production coordinator, what exactly does that entail? Just like for our listeners and for it's clarity's just sake, like the the hub of the TV show. So like, um, again, things are a little bit different now, but like getting everybody to work every day was yeah. that like because. This is before Uber. So everybody's car service was called by us and everybody's, wow. you know, to and fro and then certainly flying in people and putting them up in apart in apartments or hotels because um, a lot of people were from L.A., not the four girls, but a lot of like. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. No, I remember distinctly when um, John Corbett came in for to the office for the first time. <gasps> Um, <laughs> like they had just cast him and he came in like with his luggage straight from wow. wherever he was coming from into the office, like shook hands with everybody, like said hi, walked out and everyone melted kind of thing. They all had a crush um, on him? Yeah, everybody. I remember. Uh, oh my and God. I, I, I totally remember all the producers like going like, oh my God, that guy's hot. Oh my God. Uh, wow. <laughs> I could see him being, I mean, he's cute on the show, but I could I see him like being it. one of those. Well, I mean, he's, you know, I, I'm not fine. saying he's like our yeah. type necessarily, right. but I, I can see that he is an attractive person, sure. but I could see him being the type of person that you see them like in front of you in real life. And you're like, holy shit. Cause he's kind yeah, of a lumberjack. Like, yeah. He's like, you kind of want him to like dude. pick you up and like on. jostle <laughs> you about. Yeah. 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 I get Wait, that. I get that. Speaking of which, Chris, who did you have a crush on of the four girls? Did you have any uh, crushes? Oh, that's Kristen Davis for sure. Tell us yeah. more. Tell us everything. Tell us everything. Um, I don't know. She was just like, she 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 spent the most time in the office. Ugh. I think. Um, just because she's beautiful of, or is she polite or what? I think out of needy. Um, but I don't mean that in a bad way. Just like. Needy? She had a lot of going on in her life. Yeah. And there was a lot of like, oh, I need some time off to do this. And I need time off to do that. Like, I don't. I And I would say if I thought she was uh, a, a bad or. or um, needy actress she wasn't but she just had a lot going on so right she was like up a lot there. of scheduling yeah she was up there talking to john melfi and jane a lot um and i i don't know she was just like so pretty and so like she's I kinda, so pretty yeah good. it's crazy it was hard not to sort of melt when she'd come in and say oh yes oh my god i'm living for this did, conversation did you have any showmances on the show chris because you're the one guy and you were surrounded by seven thousand women yeah I, I did not, but there were a lot of, the funny thing is how, because that happened a lot on The Sopranos, but I mm. don't know how much that happened on Sex and the City, mm. weirdly. Mm. There was a different vibe on that set, and it was... What was the vibe? Um, yeah, what was the vibe? Articulate it, clearly. <laughs> Take us there. <laughs> As I jerk off. <laughs> it's a bunch of powerful women. Uh, uh. I know. There was a little bit... And I'm sure I'm not the first. I mean, there it's in the papers. Like, there's no Sex in the City three because they didn't get along. Oh yeah, because it was SJP and Cottrell, right? Yeah, and there was a lot of like tension. 
um, a lot of tension and a lot of like, well, who walked a set first? Well, I'm not going until she goes. I'm not oh going until she God. goes. And then it'd be an hour of PAs knocking on doors being like, okay, she's left her off. Like, so now you Oh my go. God. Like, Wait, a okay. lot of that. Can we walk it back? Because I want to really, I, yeah. Okay. So when you got there, did you sense a tension or had or had that tension started or did someone tell you about it no, or you did you see it? You yeah. just saw it with your eyes? Yeah. So my friend, um, and she wouldn't mind me using her name. My friend Mickey Zisco was uh, what they call the first team PA. And that's the PA who deals with the cast. That's the uh, person the who like assistant. walks them to and from their trailer. Exactly. Like they attach to you. They're flying when you're in. on set. Right. Yeah, yeah. Flying them in. Yeah, exactly. flying them in. And yeah. she did yeah, the yeah. first two years and she had a really good handle on who everyone was and how to deal with it. And oh she got promoted to an assistant director. So she wasn't doing that anymore. So they had to fire, they had to find somebody else. And there was a lot of blood on the dance floor in finding the person who could strike that balance. And a Great lot of people friends. came in and didn't last for more than a week because Chris. you know because so and so liked them but so and so didn't oh my god and there was a lot of that going on so it was wow like a culture of like that sucks it, kind of in a way my uh, a friend of mine and this was not on this movie but um my friend rebecca used to be uh an actor's assistant and she said that Everything reminded her of hunting with Stalin, which is my favorite phrase in the world. And they said mm. when she said when Joseph Stalin used to go out, everybody used to pretend they were having a great time. <laughs> he would like aim his rifle at the lion. A hundred people would shoot the lion. Then they'd all go to him. Great shot, sir. You got him again. Wait, you know, that's and literally like this, insane. I know. And that's kind of what the. The vibe was like there. That's incredible. Now, I have a follow-up. I have a follow-up. Can I very say important. one thing, James? Yes, please, please go. But I'm just very eager. Yes, I know. That's we're like it. literally. There were a Chris, lot of you're just, I'm chomping at the You're a treasure trove. <laughs> but I have to say, Chris, that's just so wild to have such a... I mean, this was in the papers. Everyone knew that that was a, a legendary rift between them. But that's. I'm just saying that's so wild because it did not show no, on camera. And I, I don't want to like, I think everybody still had a good time because there were yeah. enough people on set. There were enough great people on set. Right. That everybody had their camp. Everybody you could would pick like, and choose who you wanted totally, to surround yourself with. Wow. Yeah. Totally. Like, so it wasn't a miserable time set by any stretch. Like there were a lot of fun people there. A lot of laughs. But between those four, there was always some shifting and uh, shifting dynamics where it seemed like one was kind of always on the outs wow. and it was never mm. Cynthia Nixon, but one was always on the outs. Oh my God, of course, the iconic queen. She was just That's like, really interesting. Nixon was amazing. amazing. I feel like amazing, she just amazing. wouldn't, she she's not going to give shit. in. She did not give a shit. No. Chris, she that's said, so, I love that information that Miranda yeah, was, was just like, as an actress, Cynthia Nixon was just like, I'm here to work. Yeah, she, she did not seems, care about any of that She just smarter than that. She's great. Oh And I'm not saying the other ones, like, but they not just that they're not a smart, but yeah, I know between themselves, you know, and it was a bit of a like, well, there was a um, diva competition between SJP and Catral because SJP is the protagonist of the show. Yes. It's Carrie is iconic. Is that but, why, right. Chris? Is that I think is, so. is that and the root before, of it? Like Kim Cattrall was kind of a movie star before the show oh. started. You know, she was in Mannequin and yes. the sequel. And she like she had she was she was a name. And, and she's so, like, who is like, this young little pisher coming in? I, and I kind of think so. Right. Mm. Listen, though, 
Sarah I, Jessica Parker was a teen star. It's a different thing, you know? Yeah, That's Sarah Jessica Parker was also a movie star. Yeah, she was in... But it, um, what was she in that she'd 80s? She'd been in Ed Wood by then, Miami I Miami Rhapsody. She was so cute in Yeah, that. she was in... Great in Miami Rhapsody. Loved yeah. that and movie. Did you ever too. see L.A. Story? With Steve yes, that's what I'm thinking She's of. L.A. So Story is so good. so good. And First Wives Club had happened at yeah. that point. But but she was the lead in some teen comedy. Um, yes, and I forget what it is. Now. I do too. But it was, was, I think it was, I don't know if it was a pop. And then no. Girls When I Had a Fun. And there was oh, another. Oh, that's it. Girls When I Had a Fun. Was that it? Fun. Okay. Yeah, but you know yeah, what? Yeah. I'm just going to say a conjecture. Like if a woman has a framed photo of her own breasts in her <laughs> in, in her dressing room, it's not shocking to me that she would have a problem being second build. Like, I mean, that makes right. sense to me. Right. And she's very good at what she did. Too. She's an amazing actress. Like God. she's very what good at what actress. she did. She's hysterical. Yeah. She's an icon. I think she is. I think she has the totally. best comedic timing of anybody. On I that agree. Show. And the show does not work without her. Not at, at all. all. Of course. No, not at all. So, wow. She's a force. Yeah. So I, I don't blame her for asserting herself. Oh you know? Can you tell us um, some like juice on like what was just a shit day at work oh, and why? Or were there any scandals or like just a day where you were like, this job is fucking crazy. Oh, that's a good one, James. I love this. Um, I feel like every job has it. Of course. Yeah. Like, hold on. I mean, you know, take all the time you need. To go home and drink a whole bottle of Jim Bean after. <laughs> my, my. Relive your trauma right here, right now. Yeah. My worst day there, I think, was um, a Sarah Jessica Parker fitting mm-hmm. where she would come in after shooting and uh-huh. and costume fit with. Uh, oh, my God. I can't remember her name. The costume designer. Patri- Patricia, uh, Field. Patricia Field. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and that whole costume department was a whole other. Uh, oh, there, was, there was a lot of personalities in there. A lot of personalities. I that's mean, a euphemism. I yes. can hear it. It was a, gi- a lot of giant personalities. Oh um, but it was that usually at the end of a shooting day, she would come in. And sometimes it went on for two or three hours. And like, right. after a 12 hour shooting day, like the last thing you want to do is be hanging around for two or three hours. Be poked and oh, prodded. So rough. So, I remember going in one night because the costume department was right next door. And I was like, hey, I'm going to I'm done. I'm going to close up. Are you guys okay?" And she was kind of like, oh, you're leaving. And I said, do you want me to stay? And she was like, yeah, if I'm here, you're here. Okay. so I went back into the office and like kind of kept checking in every two hours or so. Yeah. And the sun came up. Oh, my God. And. They just forgot to tell me that when she finally left, but it was a good six hours that she was in fitting. And you were just fucking- she wasn't working the next day. I had to, but the sun came up quite oh, literally. And I remember God. driving home with the sun coming up, just kind of hating life. Yeah. That I was God. just sitting in a production office. You're like, I don't just need to be here. <laughs> I hate that no kind of abuse reason. of power. Just like that. Do you stuff. think? Do you think if we had, if they, you had had cell phones at that point, yeah. that maybe yeah, it would yeah, have yeah. been different? It would have been totally different. Because you could have just been on call. Totally. But still, totally, it's pretty totally. shitty. Oh, that's such a nightmare. Were wow. your friends in your real life, like your family members, if you were had girlfriends at the time, was everyone in your life obsessed with the fact that you were working on that show in New York at the time? Most of my friends, because I went from college to The Sopranos, essentially. Wow. So oh most my of God. my real life friends... Had no idea what to make of like, because they had no idea what to make of um, like what I was doing for work. But then I made so many good friends on Sopranos that mm. everybody got, it wasn't a big deal. So there were you know? women in your life that were like, oh my God, you're 
working with the Sex and the City girls? Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of true. Yeah, that's kind of true. Mm. Like your moms, um, your sisters, your cousins, your like just females in your life being excited yeah. about it. Yeah, that's kind of true, actually. But um, did you use it to hit on women? Like, uh, I work on Sex in the City. I work on a little show called uh, <laughs> Sex in the City. Do you want you one know of the Kim Kardashian? So I can get Cosmo. you a pube. <laughs> I'll try to get you. I'll try to snag a pube for you. The funny thing I would was, take it. It mostly like you could, and this is going to sound horrible, but within 20 minutes you could see whoever was interested in you for that looking past you at the parties like you'd bring right. some girl to one of the parties and you could see her looking and then after a while you got to be like this isn't Fuck fun us. for me anymore right you know like yeah from, like you could always you'd bring somebody who was super excited and then you'd see her like looking past you to and you're like you know, there's a gorgeous man in front of you by the way <laughs> whoever, <laughs> whoever else they could spot uh um, um, so that it lost its muster after its it. charm after a while. Um, what was it like working in production in New York in the early two thousands? Um, it was kind of like it's still kind of a small tribe, like a relatively small tribe, mm-hmm. and everybody knows the worst show to be on at Ooh, the time. And oh, at wow. the time, it was Sex yeah, in the City, it? not. It was Sex in the City because of the nights. Because if oh, you think of all the scenes that take place at so night, so many on night shoots. It's oh, yeah. you're working all night. What were you doing? Night like, shoots, by the way, are like you start at three a.m. Sometimes, right? Yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's just at least in my experience, and, it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean p.m. It could mean like early, early. What were your hours right. like, Chris? All of them. Ooh, um, all the hours. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you would like. Did you constantly have a sore throat? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And that's why Sex and the City was at the time like the worst wow, that sounds tough. show to be on because of the hours, just because of the hours. Were you um, watching it as you were working on it or were you too burnt out because you're there all day? The last thing you want to do is like watch it. No, I actually, I had to catch up a little bit. So I remember distinctly sitting in John Melfi's office like after he would go home because he had all the DVDs because that was before like you had to get a yeah. physical DVD wow. back then. To, oh, like, yeah, watch, I had the box set. You know, and... John Melfi had all the DVDs, so I would sit in his office after he went home to like catch up on the show. Oh wow! Um, Did you finish watching actually, it after you stopped working on it? Did you finish watching the whole series? I watched the very last season, and I remember watching the finale with Mickey Ziska, the very person I was just talking about. Yeah. Um, and she was she stayed in touch with all those girls, and I think is probably still in touch with all those girls. Wow. But we, I watched it at her house with a bunch of people who worked on the show. And I remember being, because I just hadn't watched it in a while. And I was like, wait, they're putting her back together with Big? That's the message of this show? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Chris, Chris, Like, the emotional, the emotionally unavailable, like, terrible guy. That guy, that's who she ends up with? Chris, you're a queen. Chris is a king. What was he like? Oh, my God. Great question. No comment. Oh, okay. Okay. Wait, Chris, who was the best person that walked through those doors, whether it was one of the main actresses or somebody who was there for a day? Like a day player. Who treated people wonderfully? Oh, um, I love these questions. Um, I just the, oh, my God, forget it, forgive. The guy who played Steve was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Oh. He's my crush on the show. I thought he was so wonderful. Steve is wonderful. Yeah. 
He really was. He was great. What kind like, of person is he? Wouldn't like, it be insane if he was like a monster right. behind closed doors? I love he's that like, he's Miranda, nice. you're the love of my life. And then like they cut camera and they're like, fucking get my water, Chris. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know what, Jamie? It's kind of interesting because everything Chris has told us about each person sort of They're tracks. kind of, they are their character. Because Steve seems right. like a nice guy and you're telling us he was a nice guy. Yeah, he was great. He was great. We on The Sopranos formed a softball team. Uh-huh. And once I left the show, once I left Sex and the City to go back to Sopranos, I was able to talk uh, Betsy Alton, who is the production coordinator, my immediate boss, into forming a Sex and the City softball team. You could play against them? Yes. And the only cast member, a lot of our Sopranos cast members played every week. Uh-huh. The only Sex and the City cast member who consistently played was was Steve. What's Steve's He's name as an David, actor? David Eigenberg. David Eigenberg. Thank you. I can't believe Eigenberg, I Eigenberg, is he Jewish? He's Jewish? Hello, yes. Steve. You just got even hotter. Okay, Steve. Okay, Steve. I'm Call me. listening. Um, <laughs> Toodles. Guys, I have to go. My other favorite person oh, on yeah, that um and i haven't taught and just because since we talked about me being on this i, I started thinking about the show a lot because i haven't in a while um alan heinberg who is a writer uh he came in on season three and um he i looked him up because i just haven't talked to him and he wrote wonder woman so he's doing fine. oh what he's doing a okay wait like the gal Godot one yes holy that shit one is hysterical He's doing fine. Wow. Okay. But he started thriving in, on season three, the same time I started there. Awesome. And at the time, he would hang out in our office a lot because he said that the writer's office was a little clicky and he didn't oh. like them. Yeah. And he had a Britney Spears thing. He was a gay man, okay. but he had a Britney Spears obsession. Mm-hmm. And that since tracks. I was the straight guy in the office, he built a shrine to Britney Spears on my desk. Oh my God. Which became completely out of control, like posters, dolls, pictures. And everyone thought that you were obsessed with her because you thought she was yes. hot? Oh, and then when I God. moved back to Sopranos, they moved my desk with the entire <laughs> Britney shrine up to the Sopranos office. Wait, this is hilarious. <laughs> and Alan would story. come visit there. And I haven't Pray seen him in all of those years. And I Googled I him just when I, when I was coming on the show. That's and awesome. He's doing... Wow. He's doing fine. So wait, he did Chris, Wonder Woman. When you and your friends and Mickey and everybody caught up and watched the show, were you invested? Were you like emotionally, um, you know, moved by Charlotte, like adopting the babies and end up with this guy? And, you know, how did, were you invested emotionally? I say yes, in a way. Yeah. And it felt a little bit like catching up with, with older friends, kind of, you know? Yeah. Because um, I did, like, even with all the, like, nonsense and the the I don't even want to call it bad blood but the drama and the tension like I still have a lot of affection for all of those people yeah um you know two things could be true at the same time they could give you a miserable time but you could still like them did you get to watch them perform on stage did you ever see amazing performances before your very eyes yeah um great question I was I actually I like the Cynthia Nixon days the best um just because I really like she and she did. I also I worked on the affair and oh, she's um, another actress. fabulous show. There was this Love one. Yeah, it was a really good show. And there was this one scene where um, Dominic West character Noah went into therapy and Cynthia Nixon played the therapist and oh, she was hired the night before. This is just a Cynthia Nixon story for you. Okay. Okay, she was hired great. the night before 
because it was supposed to be somebody else. I forget who it was, but then they, they had a conflict. Cynthia Nixon came in the night before. It was 23 pages and it was scheduled over two days. And 23 wow. pages is unheard of. Usually in TV, you That's shoot like six to 10 pages a day. That's 10 is a good day, a really good day. 23 pages. She came in that she was hired the night before and came in and knocked out 23 pages the next That's day. That's insane. She's such a professional. She is She's such a pro. pro. She's such a You're pro. You're making us it, as if that it was even. That makes me so horny for her. I no, love she's the her. Best. We love oh my her God. so much. We're she's such fans. She really is. You know what though? That this is, is such what, a cool story. This is what good casting is though. It's seeing somebody who can bring even more to the character. Because Miranda's already oh. a cool character. And Cynthia Nixon just has that cool, smart girl energy. Yes. Yeah. Effortless. And just fearless too, you know? Fearless, yeah. But also it's so interesting because she's such a, she's so confident, but at the same time she plays insecure so well. <sighs> and she does such Amazing. a good job of being someone who's like so capable, so smart, so educated, but then also like being like, am I enough? Am I good enough? And that's what makes her so relatable, I think. Yeah. I Wait, think so, a lot of people feel that way. I mean, Jamie completely nailed it. It's that incredibly heartbreaking combo of, competent and also super vulnerable yes but yes. chris you you like caught on fire when you talked about how disappointed you were that she carrie ends up with big because uh jamie and i talk about that a lot so you know it was a, the writer's room and the creators are mostly women and gay men and you know as a straight male like how did you feel seeing not even as a straight male, just as yourself. Like, what what's your take on the end of that show and like the choice yeah, that I was just, made? I, I personally, personally thought they like they just botched it completely. I did not think that that character and I, I actually think that for a show that was that influential to women who yes. looked up to that character, like I was like, what? Wow, <laughs> like, mic drop. What? Because like, yeah, it's a mic drop. What you're saying there is, hold on, because that guy, that guy who's been dicking you around, he's going to come around eventually. <laughs> and that are... doesn't really happen. Oh, my God, Chris. You know? That is so, happen. yeah. I mean, snaps all around. Also, you're right. It's really, it's like, it's kind of nice having that fed back to us because we talk about it so much. But when you just hear it laid out like that, it is insane that that was like the takeaway. And I, I, I wonder what, yeah, like, yeah, did you get to, like, ever talk to the writers or anything at all about, like, choices they question. made or, like, what they were working on or, like, how they were feeling about things? I don't know. I don't know if yeah. it was that kind of show. Of all the people on the set, the writers were the least approachable. Oh. Interesting. With the exception of Alan, who I've already seen. Yeah, about. Britney They Spears were the least approachable. On your desk, yeah. 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 That's so TV. interesting. I, I'd feel way more comfortable going up to Sarah Jessica wow. Parker in the middle of like a 10 page scene wow. than, than I would approaching a writer wow. on that show. Like they just had that, that air. Don't fuck with us. Don't talk yeah. to us. Yeah. I wonder if you don't I wonder what the, vibe. I wonder what the writing culture was. Like, I wonder if that was because they were feeling, cause like I've been on shows in, in writer's rooms where you feel that pressure from the cast. And so you're like, you're, you're literally just reacting to like, yeah. I just don't want to get fired. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know what brought them there. Yeah. I'm you curious. Know? And I don't want to like speculate as no, to, no, but no, of course, of course. The vibe was not friendly. Let's not great. hang and talk. You that know was what, not though, the vibe. The sex in the city writers and creator were like, I'm saying this cause I just watched that ESPN doc on the Chicago bulls. They were like the Chicago bulls in the nineties. It's like, if you wrote 
or created Sex and the City in the fucking 90s. I mean, yeah. Where, what, you probably got high off your own supply. Like, you know. Yeah, you had to. Right? I think they were. Actually, that's oh. it. Michael Patrick King used to swing by the office to talk to Melfi, and he was totally like, you know, approachable and personable, but um, I don't remember anybody ever discussing like the content of the show ever. Right. You know, it was more about like who the hot guest star was. Well, it's interesting to hear you so disappointed with the end of the show as Jamie and I are just just like conspiracy theorists talking about something. Why do you think they chose that ending? I mean, we won't know, but I'm just curious what you think. My guess is that the Chris Note character had just made the biggest splash on the show and therefore having her character wind up with him would be the most satisfying ending in terms of like, oh, these are the two twin towers of the show, if you'll forgive that expression. You know what I mean? Yeah. These are the two big... If, the if people have a Cliff Notes version of Sex in the City, they know Carrie and Mr. Big. Oh, wow. You know? And that's just my take is they had to get those two characters back together because that's what it started out like, about. Yeah. People who knew nothing about the show still knew about those two. You're like, you know, was Chris Noth. Mm-hmm. No, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, is Chris Noth, is he New York based? Yeah. He was a New York guy. Cause yeah, he did a ton of, uh, law and order as well. Oh, um, I don't he had really a recurring know him character from other on things. law and order. I just oh, I never really watched that. That's an interesting. I just rewatched Castaway, and he's Helen Hunt's uh, <gasps> husband in that. When Tom Hanks uh, gets lost on the right. island, you're like, he years. was the volleyball. Okay. Yeah, he's he's well sent. <laughs> he's really he's really good at, as well as <laughs> he just, uh, just disappears into the character. You wouldn't ever recognize yeah. him. <laughs> you, when Tom Hanks puts his bloody hand on his face, you're like, this is uh, it shouldn't work, but it's working. Well, I think it's really interesting what you just said, Chris, because it is kind of classical storytelling because she meets him in the pilot. And so you're basically right. saying it's like, they're closing the loop. We started this story on her bumping into him on the street, yeah. dropping right. a bunch of condoms. They lock eyes and she's ending with that guy. Right. That's why it's so annoying. <laughs> it, it's a little closing bit closing of... the loop. Storytelling is so annoying in this case, yeah, it's a little... for sure. It's a little bit of like what can be the problem with like episodic storytelling where where the closing the loop can sound like a nice idea, but it requires you to drop everything that everybody saw in six seasons. Right. Yeah, so you have to like suspend all belief yeah. just right. to like wrap it up in a nice little right. package. Because yeah. if life like life your cat is looping massive. back means you're regressing. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You oh haven't my God. grown. You haven't learned anything. Oh my God. <laughs> no. Yes. Snaps. Chris, that is dropping so bombs. True. It's, that is such uh, a good point. Yeah, what did she learn right. if she ended up with Big? What did she right. learn? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> that is so fucking good, Chris. You're such a swami. But also, I must say that some other theories of why she ended up with him that I'm making up right now would be that. I think somebody must have said this because I don't know if I came up with it on my own, but I think I heard someone say like, you know that that relationship will never work. So them together just keeps the door open because you're like, okay, they're not going to get married and have a right. happy family. Like, right. Which is kind of cynical, but I think that was the other idea of like, right. okay, well, you know, we're close. We're, we're done with the show. We want to keep the door open for possible future shit. So let's right. just have her. And end they up- did two movies. There you go. Right. 
Oh Can my I ask? God. Also, yes, please, Skylar, go. Chris, just working on Sex and the City and The Sopranos in this period, two shows that like kind of changed HBO and kind of changed uh, television in, in very big ways. Like, was there, did did that change like the working environment? Was Did you guys feel that pressure on set to deliver in particular ways? Like, it, it's just, there are such important shows in this period that I'm kind of interested to hear what that impact was like. Um, this is just my vantage point. So take with all the grains of salt you want. But um, I think that the Sopranos cast kept each other in check in a way that um, the Sex and the City cast were kind of unable to because there was a little bit of a competition in the Sex and the City cast. Oh, interesting. And um, so I think just... Again, this is my observation, but I think things got bigger in terms of uh, entourages and egos and things like that on this in the Sex and the City world than they did in the Soprano world because there was just a like the Sopranos was such a big ensemble cast and one yes. nobody really like Jim Gandolfini was kind of at the top and because mm. he was such a level headed. Um, in, in, in many ways he wasn't, but in many ways, in, in terms of like, uh, appreciating himself and his work and his fame, like he, he was not charmed by that at all. He was, wow. not, he was not disillusioned to think he was somebody important, um, because he never did. And he reminded everybody at all times that none of what we do is important. Um, that him. was his, you know, he did that a lot. And I don't know if that. Uh, caught on on Sex and the City because Sex and the City was Doesn't almost... Doesn't sound like the, it. <laughs> yeah, it felt like... <laughs> they didn't get know, the memo, like, Chris. Right, Patricia Fields blew up and, you know, the style icon right. aspect of the yeah. show blew up and it became a different thing. It just became a different thing. Well, it was thing. so... Like, yeah, it's like Sopranos, and I know I've only seen one episode, but I have read about The Sopranos a lot. Like, I studied it in film school which is so sad that I read more about it than actually watching it. But um, I think Sopranos was really influential in the TV world. Like it was a first Mm -hmm. in terms of like an hour long drama and like HBO wasn't really doing like original series until these shows. They had one like uh, interesting little thing called Dream On, which if you watch it now, seems like a relic. It was this guy who like had all these fantasies. I remember that. I like that. Yeah, and they showed old film clips to like coincide with his fantasies, but that like it was really nothing cool, compared actually. To... Yeah, right. And then like also, Sopranos was like the first series where you're like rooting for an antihero, which yeah. also was like very groundbreaking. You're like rooting for a terrible, terrible person. But then Sex and the City was groundbreaking on like a less micro level. It was like the rest of the culture was influenced by. Yeah, Sex and the City. Yeah, like, the like City we already had mob culture. movies. We had Goodfellas. Right. We Good had, Jamie yeah, yeah, we had, I we had totally it. like, yeah, but like, no one was like, be like, there were no like honest, like, kind of raunchy, super hyper real, like, female funny shows. Like, it just wasn't a right. thing. Like, we just had none. So, which actually, yeah. kicks off a question I have, Jamie. Oh, please, may I? Are you, were you? Of course. Okay. Oh my God. No, I'm just. No, because yeah, you're no. making a good point that segues. No, 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 please. Okay. Well, this is something I wonder. And Chris, 
you may or may not have thoughts on this, but I certainly do because Sex in the City, for people who love it, is very well regarded and respected. There is a lot of there are a lot of people that think it's a stupid, fluffy show and that it puts women back and that it's there's a lot of there was a lot of misogyny around um, Sarah Jessica Parker, Maxim magazine in the 90s called her the ugliest working actress. It was just there was a lot of hate. Oh, yeah, I remember all that. There was a lot Wait. of hate because it was a show that was mainly about women's issues and women's needs and women talking and about their- women like being bold, owning their which sexuality is always a threat and putting their friendship above men. And yep. I think to this day in 2020, I still hear in conversations a lot more reverence for the Sopranos than I would ever hear from Sex in the City. And I mm. and it's considered more serious, incredible. It, totally. it put HBO on the map. Not true. Sex in the City did. And I'm wondering if that like incredibly sexist divide of Sopranos is good television and Sex in the City is guilt chick shit. Like, was that Gu- happening yeah, in the 90s? Pleasure. Like, yeah, you're like your boyfriend will watch it if your girlfriend has it on like that kind of right. thing. Yeah, but I'll never watch it, it for by it myself. Is. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That definitely existed in the culture. Definitely. It didn't exist in terms of like our workplace, because like I said, like we were such fans of each other's shows and I'm still a fan of the show and I'm still a fan of all those people. Like, right. like I said, two things could be true at the yes. same time. Like, you know, you could one to kill somebody cause you waited, uh, till 6am, you know, yeah. for them to change, <laughs> but still think like they're an incredibly gifted performer right. and like, and not a bad person. Like, right. You know, like there's nothing bad about like, well, w- were you sending- sensing, like, were you sensing in just like brunch conversations or I don't know if you had brunch with your friends, but like in your personal life, were you sensing that the two shows were being treated differently? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll even do you one better, even though this is a Sex in the City podcast. I thought at the same time, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was on, which was about teen girls. Uh-huh. And I thought it was just as well written as The Sopranos. And to this day, I maintain was just as well written as The Sopranos. Wow. And I don't understand why that is not put in the like but, but it was like a show for teens that ran on the wb but right. i i think that holds up just as well as any of those the other two shows that's interesting um just was, my opinion was sjp women are obsessed with sarah jessica parker especially around that time and she had this rockin' little body where she's obviously teeny tiny but mm-hmm. like had like great abs and stuff you can't speak for all men but like did men think she was hot or is she just like women thought she was hot um, women thought she was hot. Got it. But, and I'll tell you mm. what, the, the turning point was sex in the city. Mm-hmm. So it was clearly a power thing. Because if you asked any man about Sarah Jessica Parker from um, the movies that she did before, Honeymoon in Vegas mm-hmm. or L.A. Story mm-hmm. or something, they'd be like, oh, yeah, hot. And I distinctly oh remember. Oh, my God. This is fascinating. When I was offered the sex in the city job, my immediate superior, her name was Laurie Douglas, and she's a wonderful movie producer to this day. She said, don't you want to go work with Sarah Jessica Parker naked? Like, that was, like, the ultimate, like, that you could do. But once she was put up as a sex symbol on a women's show for women, Men turned against it. And that I saw it happening at the time. It's fucking wild. Because she wasn't there for our approval. You know what I mean? Oh my she didn't God. exist for men's approval. She existed for women. And, and, that, and wow. men were totally turned off by that. And it that happened is... in real time. Like overnight, you, you watch like people be like, oh, she looks like a horse. And like, oh, you thought she was hot 
two months ago. That's insane, Chris. Fascinating. That is a really interesting. I saw it happening in real time. Wow. Isn't that fascinating, Jamie? Fascinating. I mean. Where the Samantha character still existed for men's approval, essentially. That was, but she was a joke on that character. You know, like she was sort of a play on that. So she was still allowed to be hot for men because that's what her character existed for. And it's not that she wasn't in the driver's seat. She was totally in the driver's seat, but she was like, yeah, I kind of think like she was like an eighties Madonna where she used her very overt sexuality to like gain men's approval, but it was still like, she was playing that game. She was in the driver's seat, but she was still, her audience was still men. Where Sarah Jessica Parker's audience was not men. She wasn't doing it for men. You know what I mean? She was wearing what she wanted to wear. Riveting, Chris. I'm so happy to hear that interesting take. How interesting. Just my take on it. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, this is this conversation has been absolute heaven. And really, you've been such a delight and such an amazing guest. Thank you so much. Um, So we wrap up each episode by doing a segment called I'm horny for. And it's basically where we just share since sex in the city is obviously a very horny show. We share like what we're horny for this week. Um, and it can be anything from a book you're reading to a TV show, to a podcast, to something that happened at work, to something you ate, like literally anything. Um, so, you know, we can, we can kick it off. Rose, what are you horny for this week? This week, I am horny for a really fun, hilarious, sexy book. It's a New York times bestseller. It's called Mm. Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston, and it's about two guys. One of them is the son of the first female president, and one of them is a prince in um, England, and they, against their wishes, fall in love with each other. (laughs) And it's funny, and it's sexy. It's like Veep meets a rom-com um, with two hilarious, sexy gay men. And there's also very steamy sex scenes in here, which I was not expecting, but very much enjoyed. So if you want a sexy, hilarious page turner, look no further, red, white, and royal blue. That's my horny for. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, what are you horny for this week? I am horny for, um, there was a horror movie that was made entirely over Zoom called Host. Mm. And it's excellent. Mm. It's so good. Wow, um, impressive. Yeah, it I mean, apparently you're supposed to, it's on Amazon Prime. Um British director, mostly British cast. Um yeah, and it's like a Zoom meeting. So, it's even timed to like 45 minutes or however long the free wow. Zoom is. Yeah, and a lot of people are watching it on their laptop, which truly sounds terrifying because feels like you're in the meeting. So, it's so scary. Oh my yeah, God. like I rec- like try to How not brilliant, do Jamie. that. Um, but it's amazing. And yeah, they shot it over like 12 days in quarantine and, um, it's just really good. And I think a lot of people in our industry are kind of trying, and I'm Chris, I'm sure you've bumped up against this as well of like, are people interested in quarantine content and like, you know, what's the life, what's the shelf life for something like that. But I, I mean, I was hooked. I, and I'm on zoom all day. If anyone like doesn't want to look at zoom, it's me. And I was like, bring it on. This is so good. So it's great. Jamie. Yeah. I think it also like, I think it, it probably gives a lot of people creating during this time, like hope that like, you know, it's, it, it can still, still sustain some relevance and, you know, it doesn't have to have this like quick 
expiration date kind of thing. So yeah, really, really good. It's called Host. I think it has like almost a perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes. It's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Chris. Yeah, I've been reading about that. I'm dying to watch that. Oh, to watch you guys that. have to watch it. I mean, I'm a big horror movie fan, but yeah, it's just really well done. The acting is, I think over Zoom acting has is like very naturalized. Like I had to do a couple auditions over Zoom now. And like, I noticed myself being just a little more like in myself, like not, not feeling so like need to perform. Like I'm, I don't know. There's something about it that just kind of like calms you down because we're all so used to speaking this way now. Uh, I don't know. But anyways, I thought the acting was really, really strong. So anyways, Chris, what are you horny for this week? Um, I think, and this is something that just popped into my head. There's a podcast that I love called You're Wrong About. Have you ever heard You're Wrong About? No, oh, tell us. I love it's, You're Wrong About. It's great. It's um, Ooh. it's two, it's uh, a guy and a woman. His name's Michael Hobbs. Her name's Sarah Marshall. And they kind of take a look at things um, that were cultural phenomenons from the with the perspective of some time some age and it's funny that you were just talking about celebrity culture because one of the things they just tackled was we were all kind of shitty to jessica simpson for instance and they go oh, into that oh for an episode how about fun. like how yeah and it's kind of fascinating and she's the like one a mogul just, wow interesting yeah, yeah. and like Can she's they talk a about that how, yeah she's a billionaire she is yeah. because of her yeah. like shoes and stuff yeah, yeah. good for her yeah but also like how America needed her to play the dumb blonde. Um, yes. And even though like her father was clearly like sort of creepy and everything else, like yep. she was still the butt of all the jokes rather than the 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 men around her who were clearly I objectifying her and like using her like her father who was like talking about like her body at all times, which Ew, is super that's creepy disgusting. and all of that stuff. Yeah. I remember that. I, I remember, remember it. That. It always and it, it always went back to how like she's lame. She like it has no talent. Right. Like Ew, she's a doofus. Yeah, you're so yeah. right. It's so sad. It's What's a, the podcast a, called again? You're wrong about. And you're wrong about. Wow, smart idea. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's great. The last one I just listened to was about um this this night in Comiskey Park, I think it was, uh, where they blew up a bunch of disco records. Like to cheering baseball fans. And and it was like seen as the end of the disco era, for instance, because, you know, like America had finally pushed back. And they were like, what does it look like now from this perspective of a bunch of like white straight male fans like cheering on the destruction of the of music created by like queer and black uh artists. And so and interesting. then they take it wow. back to like the history of disco and like how important it was to um to gay culture and and um and to black culture in general and like and it's fascinating from that point of view of like they read in a a bit of an essay saying like how inter like if you look at pre-disco era and post-disco era like the amount of like gay acceptance that that sort of caused but and then the pushback that like straight male you know, like people who were like, this is not made for me. Got they and they got so angry about it. That's fascinating. And That's really yeah, interesting. It's, wow. It's a really interesting podcast. Oh, I want to listen to that. Your time. Definitely. I have to okay. say. And well, it's also very a... funny. That oh yeah, really? Okay. May I say one hosts. more thing, James? Yeah. Yes. I just have to say what you just said 
Chris reminds me, everything now reminds me of the Last Dance uh, docuseries on Netflix. I have to watch that. Jamie, you have to. But there, I have to. There's, um, you know, after watching that, I got really into Dennis Rodman and, and went down a Dennis Rodman hole. And like Dennis Rodman did a lot for queer people in sports because even though he doesn't identify as gay, he did a lot of really gender nonconforming things when he was on the team. He would pose in a wedding dress. He put on makeup. Like yeah. he was yeah. experimenting with queer culture. And he was saying in an interview that he thinks like 30% of basketball players are at least bisexual, if not gay. He's like, there's so much stuff going on that they just don't come out. And I was for some reason thinking about that today. It was in the back of my head and to tie into what you were saying in terms of like, why did these white men have to burn things by queer people and gay people. I was just thinking the fear of being perceived as gay among men and among athletes, among black men is all because of deep, deep misogyny, because it's a feeling that anything that is similar at all to anything that's female is disgusting, inferior, embarrassing, and less than. So if there's yeah. any behavior you have that comes across as anything feminine, then that is something to be you have to destroy it exterminated yeah. which i'm just like wow it's so crazy that like the fear of gay men is actually just like a hatred of women yep <laughs> it's uh yeah. yeah really really upsetting and with that and yeah. uh and with that <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the conclusion well, of our show. <laughs> you know what let's just go out on a high note Chris, thank you. Seriously, thank you so much for oh, taking so the time. Fun. Are no, you, you on guys. social media? Do you like people? Are you into people following you? Like, what's your? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, sure. It's but bedhead chicken okay. is my Instagram. I okay. Mean, of course. Bedhead chicken. Yeah, of course. That's your Instagram. Out. Okay, great. So follow yeah. wonderful Chris on bedhead chicken. And thank you so much for being Chris. with us. Thank you, guys. Jamie, thank you this for so finding him. He was... Oh, my God. He's yeah. the best. Chris, I didn't yeah. know what to friend. expect. We just met up. Yeah, we met through Heather Graham. Oh, awesome. And she did the show. She was our last Bridge episode guest. Oh, one degree so. with Heather Graham. Cool. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was on the show she was on the show. Yeah, I know. It's so cool. Chris, you Anyways. dropped a ton of knowledge bombs. You made us think. You made us laugh. Um, you know, you were a superlative guest. And Jamie, thank you really. for hooking so that up. Fun. Thanks, guys. Okay, thanks for uh, thanks for being here, and thank yeah. you, listeners, for listening. All right, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod, and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at the Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you're nasty, it helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production, executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Yeah.